Hello everyone and welcome to Work With Purpose, a podcast about the Australian public service and how it serves the Australian community. My name's Carolyn Walsh and I'm going to be your host for today. I'm also the CEO of the Institute of Public Administration Australia. Before we get started this morning, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we're meeting today, the Ngunnawal people, and pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging, and acknowledge the really deep contribution that they make to the life of our city and our region. I'd also like to acknowledge the custodians of all the lands from where anybody is listening to this podcast and joining us today. This month, the world celebrated International Women's Day, lauding the progress we've made, but also shining a spotlight on the continuing inequities women face in the workplace and beyond. By some estimations, it will take several centuries for women to reach parity. For a while now, mentoring has been hailed as one of the antidotes to these challenges and a key to opening more doors to leadership positions for women. Mentoring involves establishing a relationship with a more experienced counterpart in your field of interest and gaining insights and advice from them. Whether this happens in a formal or an informal setting, mentoring can help women take the next steps in their career, ask for more support or even money, and gain confidence when speaking about their achievements. On today's episode, we want to unpack mentoring, how it makes a difference in women's careers, and why every woman would benefit from having a mentor in their lives. In this context, we also want to touch upon the work of an inspirational female leader who championed women through coaching and mentoring, Dr Margot McCarthy. Margot sadly passed away in 2022, but she was a powerhouse in the public sector as the first female national security advisor, a leader in social policy, and a key founder of the APS Academy. To honour her contribution, the ANU National Security College and the Australian Public Service Commission have both recently established scholarships in Margot's name, and we pay tribute to Margot. Now, I'd like to welcome our panel of two fantastic female leaders. Joining us today is Nina Davidson. Nina joined ONI as the Deputy Director of Intelligence in October 2021. From 2015 to 2021, Nina was Head of Office of the Australian Government's Productivity Commission. She was responsible for the overall management of the Commission's work across its research, reporting and advisory functions and its corporate enabling functions. Welcome to Work With Purpose, Nina. Thanks, Carolyn. It's really great to be part of today's conversation. And our second guest for today is Tanya Rishnu, who is joining us from the Department of Health. Tanya is currently the Deputy Secretary of the Primary and Community Care Group Tanya is responsible for leading the department's work on policies and programs relating to mental health, primary care, population help, prevention and cancer screening. Tanya joined the Department of Health in 2015. With a background in social, environmental and economic policy, Tanya has more than 20 years of experience as a leader in the Australian public service. Welcome, Tanya. 
Thanks so much, Carolyn. Great. Thanks. Makes me sound old. <laughs> <laughs> Experienced, Experienced is the term we used. Yeah. Thank you both for joining us for the episode today. We're really excited to explore this special topic with both of you. So to start us off, Nina, can you tell us about a time when someone coached or mentored you and how it made a difference? Yeah. For me, in somewhat a lot of ways, Carolyn, it's less about a specific time. It's 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 that I have benefited over my career from uh, mentoring, coaching by a number of people. And when I look back uh, earlier in my career, I think uh, I often think now that a lot of the time I don't think I was even conscious that I had these fabulous mentoring relationships, where p- part of it was just, I guess, if you like, the role modelling of colleagues that I worked with, but it was also the way without me even being conscious of it that they were advising and guiding along the way and that certainly um, shaped my career. Uh, It was influential in opportunities I pursued because uh, people took the time to talk to me about how I might consider options Uh, and also um, uh, another thing that comes to mind particularly today as as we're uh, reflecting on on Margot and her contribution in, in many ways. You know Margot go someone from whom I benefited from her advice and and guidance. Uh, I had the great uh, privilege of working uh, with her when she was at Prime Minister and Cabinet. And I can recall just side conversations where she was providing advice and guidance to me, which was incredibly valuable. Mm, Lovely. And Tanya, is there a great example of mentoring and how it supported you? So, I mean, like Nina, I've had mentors throughout my career and, in fact, at any point in time I've often had more than one Um, Mm. and they give me different things and they give me different advice and different perspectives. Um, The examples that kind of most readily came to mind for me, um, and Nina's already mentioned Margot, who was just this amazing force of nature and all of us who ever worked with her know how privileged we were to work with her. Um, I was going to reflect on Caroline Edwards, who is also a friend and mentor and has worked for so long in uh, Indigenous Affairs and Prime Minister and Cabinet um, and in health uh, with us through COVID as well. I still remember the day when uh, I was being encouraged to apply for a promotion and, you know, like most women, I said, oh, I'm not sure that I'm ready. I'm not sure. Surely there must be someone better. And Caroline took me aside and she said, why do you think that you know better than the people around you and the people who are mentoring you and the people who are asking you to apply? Because actually they're much better at looking at you and reflecting on how you fit, you know, within the organisation Um, so, you know, if you can't trust yourself, trust those around you, trust your mentors, because they won't be encouraging you if they don't think you're ready and if they don't think you can do it. Mm. Um, so a fantastic, you know, a fantastic moment of reflecting and trusting in what your mentors are telling you. That's a great example. Yeah. I think making a real difference. Yeah. 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 It really is. And Nina, I loved what you said about sometimes it's not even a conscious mentoring relationship, um, but sometimes they do really 
stand out. So they do. I, and, and I think it's often what's happening almost unconsciously and then what that builds to because then, as, as Tanya said, it's you'll have a range of people that you go and seek advice from, you know, depending on what you need at that time or people might be offering that to you. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah so. great. Just before we get into what makes a good mentor, I just wanted to reflect on two women who stood out for me because I've had a yeah, range of people, men and yeah. women, who have supported me. But I had a particular circumstance that stands out because I had one of my four kids was really unwell and quite unpredictably unwell for a period. So I actually took six months off work and then had to reintegrate back into my senior executive role and what would that look like and how would I take that on? For a short period, I was working for two days a week. Um, And two women, Stephanie Foster and Janet Connell, both supported me during that period um, and helped me see that actually life is a series of chapters um, and sometimes the chapters aren't quite what you hoped that Mm. they would be but it also taught me to think about how else can I help other people who Mm. might be struggling Mm. when their chapter isn't going the way that they wanted it to go Mm. as well. So that's just my my own personal reflection of two that that really stand out for me. It's a really great example. And it's always that knowing that there will be another chapter. That's there right. will be, and you get to write that chapter. Yeah, nothing lasts forever, right? right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, now, Nina, can you help us and our listeners to think about what makes, what are the characteristics that makes for a good mentor and a good mentoring relationship? Mm. Yeah, it's a really, it's a really good question, and and we've sort of touched on it. I think even in in just talking about some of um, our reflections and experiences, uh, oft, often it just is an organic thing that happens, but but not always. Ways that um, I I think that some of the ingredients are openness and honesty. So it's being you know willing and um, able to have honest conversations, and that includes particularly if this is a for, if it's a formal mentoring relationship um, that if it's not working um, that that's okay. It's finding the, the the right person for you at the right time. Uh, listening. Uh, Listening in a two-way sense, of, of course, is is really important. Uh, reflection, uh, I think, too. So, uh, I guess speaking from the the, the perspective uh, as as a mentor, uh, in, on some occasions, it's it's sort of um, being able to listen and, and reflect on what the other person's uh, experiencing, uh, and being a sounding board, being just able to pose what are hopefully helpful questions uh, as 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 people. People are working through, um, uh, you know, it might be particular issues, and and on particular issues, I think that can be quite helpful, uh, particularly in the context of formal mentoring relationships, where it's if you like a structured um, uh, set of um, discussions, you know, to, to have some in real life issues um, that that you're working through, that the you can use the the mentoring relationship to just test test ideas. It's not about uh, getting direction or necessarily answers, but it's just to kind of work through. Most often, you know, I've, I find in those conversations, it's, yep, that sound, you're on the right track, you know, go forth and and, and, and do, particularly for women, you know, often, Tanya, you touched on this, it's that confidence and self-confidence issue. So it's just kind of working, working through some of that. And the other thing I, I'd, I'd 
say just about the characteristics of a, a good mentoring relationship, there's just often two-way value. I, I know I get such a lot out of um, uh, the relationships in which, if you like, I play the role as, as mentor and every conversation, you know, I, I walk away with something, thinking about thinking about something in a different way, which is, is terrific and just really value having the opportunity to, to understand uh, the perspectives of colleagues uh, in, in a range of roles too. Mm-hmm. Nick, can I just ask you a follow-up question, Anna, because you did say at the beginning that sometimes there's a relationship that just doesn't quite work. Yeah. What would your advice be for someone who is either a mentor or a mentee and they're thinking, I'm not sure this gels? Yeah. How do you navigate that? Yeah, well, look, look it's, it's, it's something that I think it's always important to talk about right up front. Um, uh, it's sort of part of the initial kind of conversation so that then it just sort of creates that room. If it's not gelling, it doesn't work. We've recognised that up front and it's, it's okay, you know, not, not to, to continue on. So that's just, a, if you like, a, a kind of basic, uh, a basic way of, of laying uh, the, the groundwork and, and, you know, maybe even setting a point if it's establishing uh, a new formal sort of set of me- mentoring discussions is let's come back and check in at the six-month point. You know, is this still working? Is it giving you what you need? And if it's not, that's okay. You know, it might be, you know, maybe I can help you find someone else who might, um, you know, just be better placed to, to provide you what you need at this time. As as the mentee, just to know it's okay to, to, to just be honest and say, look, thanks, um, but this this is just not giving me what I what I need right now. So, and it's not to say that maybe a bit down the track or if different issues come up, you might want to re- reconnect with that that person. It's back to your point, Tanya, that often at any one time, you know, you'll you'll have a number of mentors uh, who are, uh, are sort of playing a role in in, in your journey, uh, yeah. and and so it's just you know what 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 you need and and what you can you know best um, uh, get. That that sounds very transactional. I don't mean it that way, mm. but just um, you know what what you can um uh um have in that relationship yes it's interesting isn't it like I absolutely agree Nina and and I now often start any any mentoring relationship I mean firstly the first time you're ever asked to be a mentor for someone you are completely humbled and thrilled um and take that opportunity incredibly seriously so often people will say oh I wasn't sure about asking you most people relish being asked yes, to be a mentor or a coach yeah. or, or even just ask for advice. Yeah. The other thing, I mean, and I'll often start those conversations with what do you want to get out Absolutely. of this relationship? Absolutely. Um, and, and part of it is having those honest conversations. And I will seek out different mentors depending on the issue that I'm grappling with because sometimes I need someone to give me some tough love. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I need someone to help build my confidence. Sometimes I need someone who's a really different thinker yeah. and will give you a different perspective on an issue. So I will pick and choose who I ask for advice depending on what I'm wrestling with. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you shouldn't be afraid to do that. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Horses for courses. Absolutely. Different stages, different challenges. 
Thanks. So, Tanya, we've heard a bit about how mentoring can make a difference in women's careers and what a great mentor and mentoring relationship can look like. I'd, I'd like to now reference the work of Margot McCarthy and her investment in the success of others um, and supporting other people. You worked with Margot at the Department of Health and Aged Care. Can you tell us a bit more about how Margot empowered other women? Yeah, and and look, and, and Nina, as we mentioned earlier, Nina and I both had the privilege um, and the joy of working with Margot. Um, when asking, in, in preparing for this podcast and asking for colleagues who had worked with Margot and who Margot had mentored, um, there were kind of three key kind of descriptors that kept coming up. Um, and one was, you know, she was absolutely fierce um, and fierce in a really gentle, unassuming way. But, you know, when you think about her career and her promotion within defence um, in a time when SES, you know, female SES in defence were not uh, not the not the rule, they were absolutely ex- the exception, to be the first female national security yeah. advisor for the Prime Minister as a woman is just an incredible feat. And then to move from that into social policy and into an area like aged care of, you know, really complex issues and challenges, she was absolutely fierce. She had this amazing curiosity and compassion. So she would always question, but it would be really, you know, questioning the curiosity and and really at the heart of the social policy challenge, you know, what is going on here? So it was a questioning that went to the issue, not the not the person. Um, and the other word or, or the other descriptor that always comes up is Margot was a class act. Mm, yeah. um, and, you know, and, and it sounds kind of... I familiar, love but, that. But she was an absolute class act um, and no one who knew her would describe her as anything but stylish, direct, absolutely had a core of integrity and ethics and she brought that to every mentoring relationship and she specifically chose to mentor young women and, you know, both in the security um, and intelligence area because she was, you know, a leader in that area Um but also in social policy and health and aged care and across the APS. She was instrumental in setting up the APS Academy because she felt so absolutely fundamentally committed to those core values of the public service and seeing women take every opportunity to help build the public service. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she she very deliberately mentored women. She very deliberately would you know, often give you some really challenging questions about why we're doing it that way. But it was always about the issue and about making making both you a better leader, but the public service a better place yeah. to work. Fantastic. We all want the public service to be a better place to work for everyone. Um, and certainly we've made some strides in gender equality and equity um, and parity across the service in lots of areas. But Nina, according to the Australian Women in Security Network, the share of women working in security roles ranges between 11 to 25%. How can mentoring help to bring this number up? Yeah. 
Good question, Carolyn. And and just to note there, yeah, we've still got a way to go across mm. security roles in, in terms of how, you know, women fill the broad range of roles uh, across our security work. Uh, I think mentoring can play a really important role, but I'd also say that mentoring is only one part of the puzzle uh, to improving career outcomes, um, uh, for, for including for women and, and women in security and intelligence. So one way that I think mentoring uh, can play a role is to help encourage people to consider, you know, career options and, and pathways that they might not otherwise consider. It's sort of to open up the thinking, even for women who are already in the, the sector, but also for women who are outside of it, you know, who might who might not, you know, uh, just, just have uh, such opportunities on, on their radar. Uh, I think um, in, in any sort of sector, uh, mentoring can help uh, women sort of navigate career paths and move into sort of leadership positions. It's by drawing on others' ex- experience that can kind of help navigate the now. So I think that that's where, you know, again, it's another way that mentor- uh, mentoring uh, can can play a role. But as I said, me- mentoring is only one part of the, the puzzle. You know, there are other, if you like, sort of broader um, uh, issues that organisations, you know, need to be aware of and, and focus on. Uh, and that really goes to the culture of, of workplaces. Um, um, so really considering do all types of people feel welcomed and, and valued? Uh, is it a place where everyone feels that they're empowered to deliver and contribute? Uh, uh, and 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 this is, if I'm stating the obvious here, but it but it matters so much because diversity is so important to delivering uh, effective uh, outcomes across the public service. So is there enough diversity of experience and perspective to really get those good Mm. um, uh, public policy outcomes that you were sort of talking about, Tanya, that Margot was so committed to achieving? And and so we really need that diversity in our workplaces, uh, ensuring that our workplaces are diverse, that they're inclusive, for women to come in, but also for for people of all from all types of backgrounds, and and in and in having that sort of focus in our workplaces, it, it, it means that not only can we attract people to come in, say to, to my sort of sphere, the the security sphere, but but also make it a better place for people to to continue careers in as well. Mm, so. Yeah, great. You just talked about sort of the puzzle. Um, and mentoring just being one part of the puzzle. I think the other thing we need to think about is that women in the workplace is not the only sphere we need to be considering. So we know that women often juggle work and unpaid caring responsibilities. And according to the ABS, 62% of women spend five or more hours on on unpaid indoor housework compared with only 35% of men. How can workplaces contribute to carving out time so that women have time to invest in their own careers, whether that be through mentoring or other avenues? Mm, yeah. Again, statistics that show that still we've got we've still got a way to go in in, in dressing imbalances. And I and I know you know these sorts of um, statistics and experiences of women were really prominent too during the the COVID lockdown periods of living and what and what that meant for what else women were sort of taking on. Look, I mean in a way this is is this is a broad brush response um uh but i think you know to to boil it down to to allow women more time in the workplace to undertake uh 
mentoring uh, and as, as well to, to just do more and do more differently, you know, in their working days. It's, it's about creating conditions that make it just as possible, more possible, more accepted for men uh, to spend less time um, uh, uh, in the workplace and, and, you know, perhaps it's feeling like or for whatever societal and cultural reasons that there that they're might exist that they need to sort of put work ahead of um, other um, other household responsibilities, caring responsibilities, so that the 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 more that you know men do in in the context of caring and household responsibilities, the more that frees up um, uh, our capacity uh, for the, the the women in their mm-hmm. in their partnerships, their constructs uh, to, to to sort of um, do more on the on the work front, uh, and and from an organisational perspective, there are a variety of things that come come into play there how flexible are our work practices for all our employees you know what do um what does access to flexible work look like what what does access to parental leave look like regardless of whether you're the primary or secondary carer and there's been a lot of change over over recent years you know in in terms of policy changes um you know um legislative changes to i think about when i uh, started uh, in my career, presenteeism was a, re- a real thing, you know, just being present in the office. Um, it, it Oftentimes, not always, uh, but it seemed to be more about how long you were there rather than the quality of the work that you're doing in the, in the time that you were there. And it, it wasn't... Um, it wasn't common. I, I won't say it wasn't acceptable, um, but 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 it just wasn't common for for men to, you know, be ducking out early to pick up the kids from school, uh, to take time out. But that's something I've seen, at, at least a shift in uh, over over my career, where uh, more men, given what we're talking about today, uh, are, are sort of making those decisions and are supported to make those decisions in their in their workplaces. And I think it's regardless of what sort of caring responsibilities people have or, or uh, it's just about how to get, uh, how, how to uh, support um, our staff, in my, my case as an organisational leader, uh, to have more flexibility to, to pursue their whole of life interests and responsibilities, whatever they are. I think, I think we've learned, I mean, you know, the last three years have been tough on everyone, but some of the benefits of COVID have actually meant we've learnt to look at working in different environments, working remotely, working from home in a different way. And organisations have shown that they can flex. And I'm hopeful that that will actually make, you know, work and um, opportunities uh, much more accessible to to women, in particular, um, but also men and people from across the country. The other thing I often um, reflect on, and, and particularly, you know, I see time and again with young women, kind of right in the midst of their career at kind of EL one, EL two level, self limiting and and actually censoring themselves before they actually even have an opportunity to be told, you know, no, this is not the opportunity for you or how are we going to make this work? You know, I, I will hear them saying, oh, look, you know, we're thinking about having a family or I'm, you know, pregnant. I don't, I'm not going to apply for that promotion. And I say, why not? You know, what is it? Because this is, as you said, Carolyn, this is a chapter. And actually, if you're the best person for the job, you're the best person for the job. And I will wait 
for you. I will make arrangements for that. So, you know, my, my encouragement for them is also don't be your own censor. Mm-hmm. I completely endorse that. Yeah. A small anecdote from me. I had my first ever interview for an E or two role on my first day of maternity leave with my first baby. And I got the job mm-hmm. and they waited for me and yeah. it was fantastic. Yeah. It was great. But there were leaders in the public service who were willing to do that. Well, not willing. It was but it was a benefit to them. Absolutely. It was a yeah, benefit to them. Right. And I keep yes. saying to young women, you know, I, like the organisation gets as much out of you as, as you get out of it. So go for it. Great. So we're, we're nearly out of time, but I'd really like to pose one final question to both of you. What would be a call to action? What is something that all of us can do each day that might be able to empower other women around us? That's that's a big question, and and in think so. I'm going to take a little bit of leeway and say not just one thing, but I mean, I always feel, you know, I need to lead by example. I need to be as courageous as I'm asking, you know, the women around me to be. So, you know, part of it is actually leading with courage, um, and leading with authenticity and integrity. Um, Part of it is creating the environment where women can actually have a voice and and amplifying that voice. Um, and the other one that I often say, and I've had to learn, you know, through through my career, is stop saying sorry. Don't apologise if you don't mean it. Um, so often, particularly women, start with, oh, sorry, I was late, or sorry, I couldn't make it, or sorry, I, you know, I just wanted to do this. Take out sorry. Take out just. Stand by your statements. You've, you've earned the right to be at that table. Use that opportunity to use your voice. Yeah. Amazing. Thanks, Tanya. I think, look, I think they're all really great, um, uh, really great points and, and terrific things to build in day by day. The thing that came to my mind too was really around uh, voice, you know, uh, ensuring uh, that, that women uh, in, in my organisation across the service um, have opportunities to find and use their voice uh, and the amplification point uh, uh, that, that Tanya made uh, too. I, I, I think, you know, it's valuable and important and it's recognising contributions. Um, I, this is something I think about not just for women, it's women, men, all contributions. I, I think that um, uh, we can all just get caught up in the in the doing and the delivery and, and sort of not... Uh, taking the time to sort of recognise and, and value uh, the contributions that, that people are, are making and that in itself sort of builds, you know, confidence and, 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 and people's, um, I, I think, field of vision for the next thing too. Mm. Amazing. Thank you, Nina, and thank you, Tanya, for such a fantastic and empowering conversation today. Thank you, Carolyn, and Thanks, thank you. Tanya. It's been yeah. a great conversation. It has. Let's continue it. Yep. Thank you, Nina and Tanya. If you're interested in some of the statistics and information we've referenced today, we'll leave links to these in the show notes for you. And don't forget to connect with us. The best way to do that is via our IPA ACT or content group profiles on LinkedIn or by sending us an email to events at act.ipaa.org.au. Work with Purpose is produced in collaboration between Content Group and the Institute of Public Administration Australia, supported by the Australian Public Service Commission. We'll be back with another episode in a fortnight.
But if you can't wait until then, we have plenty of public sector content for you to catch up on the meantime. You can listen to prior episodes of Work With Purpose on all our podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and more. And last but not least, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave us a review. We love hearing what you think about this podcast. Thank you for tuning in today and goodbye. Work With Purpose is a production of Content Group in partnership with the Institute of Public Administration Australia and with the support of the Australian Public Service Commission. 